I want to begin this morning by uh, sharing a few words of thanks. Uh, I, I don't want this to, to turn into like an Academy Awards acceptance speech. That's not my desire this morning. Uh, but it's hard for me not to reflect back upon uh, the last 14 years that we have existed as a church. Um, just so you know, I'm a crier. So I might cry once or twice. It's okay. Guys are allowed to cry. It's, uh, it's totally all right. And so uh, with that being said, I want this morning to begin uh, by simply saying that this morning I give thanks to God uh, for the kindness uh, that he has shown to us um, over the last 14 years. Um, God has been so, so good uh, to us as a church and as a people. And so this morning, I just simply want to give him thanks. Um, we are here uh, because of God. Uh, we exist um, because we want to point people to Jesus. That is our purpose. It is our heartbeat. Uh, we are not here primarily to acquire land and to build buildings. It's not our heartbeat. However, uh, we believe that a place and a space can be a tool used by God to point people to Him. Um, this place, uh, this space in this community uh, is for God. Our desire as a people is to point people to Him. And so our heartbeat and our prayer uh, as we move forward as a church is that God would use uh, this land, uh, this dirt, uh, to point people uh, to His Son, Jesus. I believe uh, that He will do it. And so this morning, I give thanks uh, to God for God, uh, for His work. Um, this morning, I give thanks to God for the Ayler family. Jody mentioned it uh, just a few moments ago, but I am exceedingly grateful when I think about uh, the Ehlers family, uh, their kindness uh, to us over the last year. Um, Donnie has done significantly more than simply show up Sunday morning and open the front door for us. Uh, he has been kind to us and he has been good to us. Uh, Donnie said to us uh, when we first started meeting here, listen, preacher, that's what he calls me, he calls me preacher. He said, preacher, I'm not signing any contracts. And I said, fair enough, Donnie. He said, you can meet here for a week and we'll see how it goes. And I said, that's fine, Donnie. I don't have any problems with that. And he said, if the message isn't very good, you won't meet here a second week. <laughs> I don't know if he exactly said that, but I know that's what he meant. Uh, but uh, a year later, Donnie continues to open up uh, his barn to us and allows us uh, to meet as a church. And we are exceedingly uh, grateful. I'm grateful to God this morning uh, for Tommy. Um, about a year ago, there was a small group of people who would pray out in front of the barn on Sunday mornings, and occasionally we would lasso uh, Donnie into our prayer meeting, and before we prayed, we would look around and say, Donnie, um, we're praying that God would provide land for our church. Um, you don't know anyone who has land like in this area, do you? And Donnie would smile at us. And uh, unbeknownst to us, Donnie spoke uh, with his older brother, Tommy. And Tommy had uh, this six and a half acres right 
on Ridge Road. And long story short, uh, Tommy was gracious and kind enough uh, to sell us this property at a deeply discounted rate, half of what this property appraised for. It, it really is a God-sized story. What Tommy did was what I like to call a dad move. Um, there are times in life when uh, someone gives you a deal. Um, that's a dad move. Occasionally, my dad uh, will do something that's exceedingly gracious, and I will tell him, uh, Dad, you are a great father, uh, but you are a poor businessman. Um, this was a dad move. Uh, we are, are here because of the rich and deep generosity of the Ayler family, and I'm so grateful uh, to God for uh, them. I think that there can be a temptation in life uh, to do one of two things. We can idolize people or we can forget people. Uh, we don't want to do either this morning. We don't want to idolize people, but we also don't want to forget people. Uh, and we are here today because 14 years ago, uh, there are a group of families, there was a group of families who, who gave generously, um, who risked courageously, um, who, who really had a firm belief that God was going to do something in and among us, and they poured themselves in uh, toward this work. And I am deeply uh, grateful to God for them. I'm grateful to God for uh, Brian and Jen Goins. Brian was uh, the first pastor at what was Renaissance uh, Bible Church when we started 14 years ago. I'm grateful to God to Don and Sally Meredith. Don and Sally Meredith have planted more churches than I have fingers and toes. And I have all of my fingers and toes. Uh, Don and Sally poured themselves into this work. I think about our pioneer families who were a part of the group that met in John and Heidi Kurant's living room some 14 years ago. And I give thanks to God for them. I thank you for our church family who was here uh, during the early days of this place. I think about uh, a family like the Haynes that uh, were a part of this church when we met in Highland Creek. Uh, elementary school. There are so many people that I am grateful to God for uh, this morning. And, and uh, I am grateful to God for you. If you are here this morning, uh, you are a part of what God is doing in this place. Uh, you are partnering uh, with God and with us and pointing people to Jesus. It is no accident that you are here. And if you are here, you are indispensable. That means you are absolutely necessary uh, for the work that is being done here. I can't tell you how many times over the course of the last couple months uh, that I have given God thanks for how he's gifted and equipped our church body uh, to be a part of what is taking place here. I can't tell you how grateful I was when I saw a group of ladies rally together and put their heads together and look at this space over my shoulder and think to themselves, hey, I think we can do something with this. I can't tell you how grateful I am as I saw uh, people painting the inside of that cabin, as I saw men and women working on the outside, uh, making this place beautiful. I am grateful uh, to God for this uh, church family. And so this morning, uh, I want to give him thanks. And I want to do that uh, by praying and thanking God uh, for his good work. And so would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, I'm uh, just blown away by the work that you have done uh, and the work that you are doing and the work that I believe you will do in the days ahead. We are, we are exceedingly uh, grateful Lord, we thank you uh, for this place. Thank you for 
this space. May it be used for generations uh, to point people uh, to your son, Jesus, who is our only source of hope and life. Uh, God, we commit our time to you uh, this morning. We thank you for what you have already done and what you are doing. God, we love you. We thank you so much uh, for loving us first. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Uh, if you want to get to know someone, if you really want to get to know someone, uh, then help them move. Help them move. Show up to their house on moving day uh, and you will go deeper with someone than you ever thought was possible. Uh, over the last 14 years, I have had the great joy of helping people move. And when I say joy, I use that word loosely. Uh, but I have learned a lot about people. I've learned a lot about our people uh, by showing up on moving day. I really believe that there are a number of uh, different kinds of movers. Um, there are what I like to call uh, the hefty movers. Uh, these are the people that can put all of their earthly belongings in two hefty cinch sacks. Uh, typically, not all the time, uh, but typically this is what people do when they move away to college. It's what I did. I put all my earthly belongings in two trash bags, and I headed off to Cedarville College in Cedarville, Ohio. It was all that I owned. It was the easiest move that I've ever made in my life. Um, that's one kind of, of a mover. There's another mover where you show up to their door on moving day, and they look at you and say, I'm moving today? Um, these are the people, when you walk into their house, their dishes are still in their kitchen cabinets. Uh, if you go into their bedroom, they have not packed their clothes. Right? It's almost as if they didn't see the move coming, even though they had a long time to prepare. You know who you are. Uh, there are movers who, when you show up on their doorstep, they will open up the front door and say, it's so good to see you. I'm so excited that you and me get to move my whole house today. Just the two of us. They want to spend quality time together. They, they, they don't want to get bogged down with too much activity. And so instead of having six or eight people, they'll have two. You know who you are. There's the OCD movers. The OCD movers are the people you show up on their doorstep and they have every box packed and labeled and there's GPS coordinates of where you need to put it when you go to their new place. Right? They have everything together. I'm going to be honest with you, we're all a little different, but these are my favorite people on the planet. Like everything is orderly, there's a place for everything. They kind of look at you and they're like, I don't really need you today, but I'm glad you could be here. Right? There are people who when you show up at their doorstep, they are what I like to call the underestimator mover. The underestimator mover. Sometimes I just call them liars. Because when I show up on their doorstep, I knock on their door, I ask them a question, hey, where's the moving truck? And they point to a Ford F-150 in their driveway and say, I don't have a lot of stuff. We're just going to put everything in there. Right, 30 minutes later, they're calling U-Haul on a Sunday afternoon looking for a 30-foot truck. You know who you are. Listen, regardless of what category you fall in, a one thing is certain about every kind of mover. And that is when you move, regardless of the type of mover that you are, uh, you will forget something. You'll forget something. You'll try to plan. You'll try to prepare. But there's something that you are supposed to remember that you will forget. 
And, and so as we move on to this land today, um, I want to uh, remind us of some things that I want us to remember uh, for years to come. For years to come. Uh, believe it or not, there's a time in the Bible when God spoke to his people, the Israelites, and they were about to move in to the promised land, and he gave them some reminders for their journey. They're found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and so if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6. If you know the story, um, God's people had been wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. God promised them a land. They sent a group of spies into the land to scope things out. Ten of them came back and said, uh, bad idea. I don't think we should go there. Uh, two guys came back and said, listen, with God, all things are possible. Let's do it. Right? Because of the lack of faith of God's people, they ended up wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. But here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, they're on the cusp of going into the promised land. Now, now listen, I want to tell you, I, I don't believe, that, I love this land, I love this place, I don't believe this is Canaan, that's a cabin over my shoulder. Uh, but I still think there are things that you and I can learn from their experience today. So let me read from Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. It says, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to you uh, with great and good cities that you did not build, in houses full of all good things that you did not fill, in cisterns that you did not dig, in vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat, and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Christ's point, remember as we move into this place, um, that all we have as a people is from God and for God. All we have as a people is from God and for God. Every good thing that we experience in life is because of God's gracious hand. God's word says in Deuteronomy 6.10, and when the Lord your God brings you into the land. Who, who was bringing the people into the land? God was. God was bringing the people into the land. The Israelites were not moving into the land because of their good behavior. They were not an impressive bunch. They weren't the biggest and the strongest and the smartest and the fastest around. But God, God loved these people and God graciously was giving them a land. And he was putting them in this place and telling them, enjoy what I've given to you. But God did it. God did it. Anything that we experience as a church, as a family, is only because of God's gracious and good hand. I mean, just, just think about how we got here today. Think about it. Do you know our story? This church started 14 years ago in a living room. Uh, we've met in a living room, we've met in a stable, we've met in two elementary schools. We spent almost 10 years in a local YMCA. We were in a high school. We've been in a barn. We've been in a barn for the last year. Right When we moved into that barn, we had a conversation with Donnie. Brandon Lindsay said, hey, I know a guy. I think you should talk to him. I make no promises. Like, I'm not going to be the go-between, but talk to him and see if he'll let you move here. And, and we did, and he did, and he opened his doors to us. He's been gracious and kind to us. We, we put together a couple teams to, to look at long-term solutions for 
our church. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed uh, that God would open doors for us as a church family, uh, that we would have a place. And God moved in the heart of Donnie and God moved in the heart of Tommy. And he said, this place, this place, this home where, where those boys grew up and ran around and caused a significant amount of trouble. I've heard stories. Right, this, this place, God opened the doors uh, for us uh, to call this place home. Why are we here today? I wish I could say it's because I'm smart. And, and I sat back and I uh, came together with a wonderful plan. But I, but I didn't. Like, we are here because of God. Like, we're here because of God, because it, God in his graciousness and in his goodness opened up a door for us that we had no business walking through. That is uh, the work of the Lord. God did it. God did it. God, God worked in the life of the Israelites. He delivered them from slavery. He identified them as his people. He gave them entrance uh, into the land. It reminds me of Psalm 109, verse 27, when uh, the psalmist cries out for deliverance to God and says, God, let them know that this is your hand. You, O Lord, have done it. And that, that is my longing as a pastor, is that people would see and experience Jesus and what is taking place and say, only God could do that. Like, only his hand. Now, we are here today because God saw fit in his kindness to graciously move. God did it. God did it. And so, uh, this morning, we rejoice. Remember, uh, church family. Um, that everything that we have and everything that we are is from God and it is for God. Secondly, uh, remember that God is faithful to his promises. Remember that God is faithful to his promises. Did you catch verse 10 in Deuteronomy chapter 6? It says, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, uh, to give to you, Right? God is reminding the people, um, hey, just so you know, I'm faithful to my promises. I'm faithful to my promises, God says. In a world filled with uncertainty and instability, where something as flimsy as a human promise uh, can crush us, um, God is faithful uh, to his promises. I, I love one chapter over in Deuteronomy chapter 7, it says that the Lord did not set his affection on you, on his people, and choose you because you were more numerous than all peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, he is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his uh, commands. God is a promise-keeping God. And I don't know about you, but that gives my heart uh, courage. It gives my heart courage because in life there are no guarantees. Like I wish I could stand here this morning and say, like, we've arrived. Right? It's all smooth sailing from here. Next week, when you come, there's going to be a 15,000 square foot building 
and it's going to be paid for. The wind is going to be at our backs uh, for the rest of our lives, from one generation uh, to the next. I wish I could tell you uh, that it's all going to be easy from here on out. But there are, there are no such promises in God's word. There are no such promises in God's word. But God does make promises uh, to his people. Right? God does make a promise that he will build his church. Um, God does make a promise that he will be with his people. God does make a promise that he won't turn his back on his sons and his daughters. Um, God does make a promise that he will finish the work that he began. God does make a promise that he can be trusted regardless of our situation or our circumstance. God can be trusted because God is faithful uh, to his promises. Christ's point, remember uh, that God keeps his promises. Third, remember that success is dangerous. Success is dangerous. Maybe that sounds kind of silly to you. Success is something that we want to experience. Success is something that we want to have as a people. I think it is ingrained in us. But I want to tell you this morning, I want to remind you that success uh, in life is dangerous. Why do I say that? Um, verse 10 of Deuteronomy chapter 6, When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Um, God is telling his people that they are going to enjoy, they're going to go into the land and enjoy the fruit of someone else's labor, right? He, he tells them in essence that everything that you longed for and everything that you have wanted, you will have, you will experience it. When I read this, quite honestly, I think about the American dream. Like these people are going to experience everything you could ever want. You're going to live in great cities. I think of Ann Arbor, Michigan. You're going to live in good cities. I think of Columbus, Ohio. I see you in the back. Don't do that O-H-I-O thing or whatever it is. I care little for that. Uh, God is telling them, you're going to move into houses full of good things. You're going to enjoy cisterns you did not drink, uh, dig, vineyards you did not plant, full stomachs. In other words, you're going to experience the very thing that you want. But then he warns them and says, be, be careful. Be careful. Because sometimes in your success and in your prosperity and in your affluence, uh, you, me, us, we, uh, we can uh, forget God. We suffer from spiritual amnesia. Spiritually, we stand on the roofs of our house and we look out at all we've accomplished and all we've done and all we have. And we think to ourselves, look, look, look at me. Instead of saying, look, look, look at God. God warns his people, when you go into uh, the land and you, you experience this prosperous life and this good life, do not uh, forget God. Verse 12 says, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, uh, out of the house of slavery. 
Our greatest temptation in the days ahead as a church may not uh, be spiritual failure, but spiritual success. There is a temptation when things go well and when things look impressive from the outside looking in uh, that we forget our good God. And so this morning, I want you, I want me, I want us uh, to be reminded that success is dangerous. A fourth, I want to remind us that gratitude trumps grumbling, always. Gratitude trumps grumbling, always. God's word says in verse 16 of Deuteronomy chapter 6, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test uh, as you tested him at Massah. Uh, You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may go well with you, uh, that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to you to give to your fathers uh, by uh, by thrusting out all your enemies from before you uh, as the Lord has promised. So there's this warning in verse 16, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test uh, as you tested him at Massa. If you remember the story, uh, God's people uh, tested the Lord when they were wandering through the wilderness and they got a little thirsty. They, they were thirsty and at Massa, which, which means a place of testing, uh, they, they essentially grumbled against God. God had moved, God had acted, God had delivered his people, uh, God had flexed his muscles uh, for the people to see and to notice, but instead of having hearts full of gratitude, uh, the people uh, grumbled and they started to complain. I don't know about you, but there's this temptation uh, sometimes in life, I know for me, that when things go well and when I experience God's goodness, on one hand, in a moment, I can go, God, thank you so much for that. And, And literally, seconds later, I can think to myself, boy, I wish... Fill in the blank. Did you ever do that before? I can't tell you how many times in seminary or in college when my car would break down and I would receive an unexpected check in the mail uh, to fix it, I would think to myself, oh, Lord, like, thank you so much for that. That's so cool how you provided. And then I would quickly think to myself, boy, it sure would be nice if I could just pocket it and save it for a rainy day. And we, as a people, we have fickle hearts. We have fickle hearts, and in one moment we can give God thanks and go, oh, Lord, look at what you have done. In the next moment we can think to ourselves, that screen door is squeaking. It's like that thing's been around for 80 years. What, the, the, the roof is leaking? What? what we, like we just got the place. Like there's, there's work to be done. Like the, the shine that is here today can quickly fade tomorrow, and if we're not careful... Instead of hearts of gratitude, we are going to grumble as a people. And so may God give us hearts of gratitude that always uh, trumps our grumbling. Last but not uh, least, God uh, works. I want you to remember that God works for our good and for his glory. God works for our good and for his glory. Verse 20, when your son asks you uh, in time to come, and he says, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you. Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand 
And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from here that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And look at verse 24. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God uh, for our good always that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this uh, commandment before the Lord our God uh, as he has commanded us. I love the picture here. There's essentially a little kid asking a father, a parent, um, like, hey, what, like, what's the deal with all the talk about obeying these laws and these commands and these statutes? Like, what, what's this all about? You ever have a son or daughter come up to you and go, hey, like, tell me more about what's going on here. And as a parent, you have an opportunity to sit down and go, hey, let me tell you the story. Let me, let me remind you of what's taken place here. God's doing that with his people as they prepare uh, to enter into the promised land. He's telling them, uh, you're going to have an opportunity to say and to speak to future generations how we got here as a people. Uh, remember during those times that you are here because God had your good in mind and his glory. Your good and his glory. And so we are here as a people uh, today for our good and for uh, God's glory. And, and we as, as a people are challenged to remember uh, God's good work that he has done, uh, not just in the last 14 years, but throughout all of human history. Listen, Christ's point, I firmly believe that um, the best is yet to come for us as a church. Uh, I do not believe that today is the finish line for us. I believe that this is a starting block. Like, I believe that God's going to continue to work uh, for his name's sake uh, for years to come. And he is inviting us and he is inviting the hundreds and thousands of people uh, who live in neighborhoods across the street and in apartment communities and down the block. Like, he's inviting us to be a part of what he is doing in this place, in our own backyard and around the world. And there is nothing, there is nothing uh, there is nothing better uh, than to be a part of what God is doing. Amen?